to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. This project is funded through the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment. It is led by Care Ballon in St. George, Ballon Shire in southwest Queensland in conjunction with a team of researchers led by Dr. Sarah Casey at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The team includes Dr. Gail Crimmins, Dr. Saskia de Klerk and Dr. Karen Hands alongside Professor Jackie Hewitt from Griffith University. This podcast series is about building women's capacity, empowerment, strategic communication, and business leadership skills. This series is eclectic. We interview community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, academics, communication and media experts, an empowerment and confidence leader, and CEOs, the agitators and the advocates. Our hope is that this series might act as an inspiration and information toolkit for others. You can find more information about our project at www.realruralwomensleadership.com. All episodes contain show notes about the guests with links to their stories. So settle in and enjoy the series as together we chat with these remarkable women. Hello, my name is Dr. Karen Hands, and I'm a researcher at the University of the Sunshine Coast. My background is in the arts and creative industries, where among many other things, I frequently tour throughout regional Queensland with events and productions. In the arts and creative industries, we utilise what we have at hand to create new, meaningful products and experiences. So being able to interview women for this podcast who had similarly carved out livelihoods from an idea and the resources available to them was a very important aspect of being involved in this project for me. These stories are inspiring and provide aspiring businesswomen and women leaders with a rich toolkit of strategies and experiences to draw from. In this podcast, I interview Charlotte Durack, who is a trained graphic designer. Charlotte started her own communications company specialising in developing meaningful branding and communication strategies for agricultural businesses. In just five years, Studio Agriculture has become the leading firm in the Australian agribusiness sector, earning Charlotte recognition as a finalist in the Telstra Young Businesswoman's Award in 2017. In this podcast, Charlotte talks about how she spotted an opportunity for her business, the risks she took to make it happen, and the determination that she has shown in developing her business, particularly during the past two years of COVID-19-related restrictions. I'm here with Charlotte Durack from Studio Agriculture. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me here. To get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and how you started Studio Agriculture? Sure. So thinking, I guess, yeah, sort of almost six years now, thinking back to when it all started. So I guess my First step was my my formal training in graphic design. From obviously when I left school, I went. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, so I went to design school and and became a graphic designer. But I guess prior to that, growing up, my family were connected to the agricultural industry. My family were cattle pioneers in the Kimberley, so they got a, a bit of a, a famous name that I used to hear all my life. Are you a Durac? Are you a Durac? I said, I have no idea what why people ask me this, but but now I understand it. And and when, you know, being in the rural industries, you know, it's it's become a bit of a, a great value add for me. So thanks, family. So that's my family history in the in the agricultural side. But I grew up in Brisbane and went to school in Brisbane, but but went 
and travelled on farm down to my family farm on weekends and things like that. So I always had a, a strong love for the bush. But yes, as I said, formal training in design and then left design and, and finished my design school and worked in agencies and just building my skills in that direction and ended up working in London and yeah, essentially becoming a designer for many years. Then about five and a half years ago, I I was working as a designer at a at a little small digital agency. And I guess I I saw how that agency it it, it specialized in insurance, believe it or not, not very exciting. But but it specialized in in just doing insurance companies. So what that did was allow me to understand how to niche in business and how how that really worked for the print of the firm. So I, yeah, I just thought, oh, this is great. I haven't seen an, an agency really be specific in, in a certain industry. And so he became the specialist in insurance. So he just got more and more work. So I thought that was really interesting. Then at the time, I had some friends who were in the agricultural sector and I started going to like cattle or cattle sale yards and, and just sort of started to look around and go, hey, these guys are, you know, this is kind of cool stuff, but it's it's quite behind and it looks, you know, quite outdated, very outdated, you know, and very traditional. Obviously, some, you know, very sophisticated industry, very significant to Australia. So then I kind of was sitting, you know, wondering what I will do. And then, you know, the idea popped into my head to kind of go, well, what about, you know, what about helping these guys, you know, increase, improving their businesses, making them look good? So, it, you know, that's where it started. And so I, you know, I was a little bit cheeky in that I, you know, while I was working at that agency, I, I, you know, I just soaked up everything that he was doing. I looked at, you know, the ways that he would onboard clients, how he would niche, you know, I really kind of saw him as as quite inspiring in that way and I replicated that and I built the I guess I built the business plan on the side while I was still working there so you know obviously I still needed money to to live so I just went each night and and just started building and planning and and you know visualizing exactly how it would be a little bit cheeky I even sort of <laughs> I don't know if this is allowed or not, but took the code from the website and kind of repurposed it <laughs> Um, and just updated everything. So again, like, you know, just having a go. And, and I, you know, I think back, I, I wasn't really sure about how everything would work and whether this would work out. But I just, I knew that there was something there. And I just went with it. And then he, he actually ended up finding my website that I'd created and going, oh, what's this? And and I said, oh, well, I built this and I've just been trying to have a go, but, you know, I love my job here and I've been inspired by you essentially. And he, you know, he was pretty good about it. He said, well, good on you, you know, for having a go. And, he, yeah, he, he then sort of talked to me about, well, why don't you focus on doing some of that a couple of days and come here a couple of days. And so, you know, that gave me a bit of an opening to start trying it out. So it just happened quite slowly and naturally. I would just, you know, try and, you know, just start to build my network, you know, reach out to people I knew. The first step I had to, you know, build something that I could 
help promote with. So, you know, whether it was a capabilities brochure. So being a designer, you know, I started from that point. I don't suggest other people start from that point. You know, I think I, if I think back now, I probably could have planned it out a little better. But I, you know, I was quite like just jump in, you know, this is the opportunity. So I built, you know, a bit of a service offering sort of A4 document that I could send out to people as an attachment and help support my, I guess, sales and support those conversations. A bit nerve-wracking. So I think that was a bit of a, a key part of just having something to, you know, make yourself feel a bit more legitimate and have some clarity on what it is that you're selling or what it is that people can can engage with you on. Um, so that's how it started. Um, and then from there it was just, you know, it just sort of snowballed and just started, you know, continuing proving, you know, building case studies, building the network, getting reputation. And I think back then it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of people doing that. So that was really my point of difference. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, now that it's starting to get a little bit more competitive, there are, you know, as agri- the agricultural industry starts to become even more sort of sophisticated, you know, there are competitors. Um, obviously, people still come to us based on the fact that we understand the land, we understand what these people are going through, we understand their businesses we get to know their businesses. So that's still our point of difference today, but it is about maintaining our, on the other side of that our, our quality in what we do and what we deliver as well as, you know, making sure we're really involved in our industry. So we've kind of got two, we've got to be part of two, two networks, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about Studio Agriculture. What do you do? Oh, that's a good point. While we talk about this, it's probably worth me sharing what we do. So we are a creative agency or, you know, a design firm. So I would call us, you know, a communication agency. And our, you know, our key tool is brand, brand strategy, brand positioning. So we work with businesses to grow their brands or position them first and foremost and then grow them so and market market them. So we work with clients, anything from agricultural equipment, and there's lots of ag tech now, innovation, irrigation companies, so it's quite, quite specific, and meat, packaging. So anything, any, any form of communication or a touch point, we, we help brand it up, really. And sometimes it's pretty, you know, pretty straightforward stuff. It might be you know, we need to build a brand for X and other times it's a bit of a, a problem solving, you know, last week we've been, or this, the last few months actually, we've been helping build a, or build a brand for an irrigation system and help launch that into the market. So that becomes quite a strategic job on A, understanding what are we actually doing and B, you know, who's going to buy this thing and, and the details on what their needs are. So it does become quite complex in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd call us, yeah, design firm. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. So you've, it sounds as though you've always made some pretty gutsy decisions, like let's say borrowing the code from your employer's website. How did you know that that was the right thing to do or how did you come to make those decisions? I always like to say that business is a little bit of trial and error. It's probably not the right thing to say, but, you know, it is, it is about you don't always know 
straight away what you're going to do. But I would say the first thing is having a bit of a backup plan, a bit of a peace of mind and say, look, if this doesn't work out, we've always got X, Y, Z. So that that's probably my first point was going, okay, look, if this doesn't work out, I can always go back to a job. So, and then I think believing in your idea, you know, I identified that there was a gap there, a clear gap. And, you know, I believed in my idea and I, I didn't ever go, oh, it's not going to work. You know, I, I went, well, it will work and this is how it will work. Mm-hmm. So I think visualising your success, visualising a journey and going, okay, I've already seen what I want to achieve and, and what success looks like. It's now about how do I pinpoint that. So I, I think, yeah, believing in yourself is, so, the, is the key to any of this and, you know, knowing that not working isn't an option. You've got yeah. to make it work. You've got to find a plan to make it work. I think also the gutsiness also comes from the fact that I am a designer so I can make things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could, I could build a website. I could build a brochure. I could market myself. So I think that, that gave me a good leg up and just, yes, still there's that opportunity for yeah. us where, you know, we can build, we want to get something out there. We can do it because we know how to do that. So. That that for for me, I guess is is a, is a positive and also like a curse because you just never stop thinking about things. I guess another thing that comes to mind is being surrounded by you know I was surrounded by good people and some mentors that helped me in the early days and mm-hmm. were there to sort of inspire me and and give me a bit of a leg up and you know bounce ideas off because in the early days you sort of don't know if you if something's the right thing to do or not. But that, yeah, surround yourself with people that are inspiring is a, is a good tip, I think. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great tip. So you told me this really fantastic story about how you decided to sponsor an event at the ECA, which kind of gave you a bit of a, a leg up in terms of getting your business started. Can you tell us about that decision? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll have to um, attach a photo with this because it is um, a bit of a funny moment now that I think back. I think, I guess the first, yeah, the first thing is, I guess, you know, what, why I think there's been quite a lot of clarity with this business is I have gone into a niche market. Mm-hmm. I've gone into an industry that is very network heavy, very, you know, we know where they are. We, we, it's, you know who your customer is. So that's first and foremost. So back when I started, you know, I, I knew I, I'm going to build brands for agricultural businesses. So where are they? So, I, you know, where's the path to market straight away? And the opportunity came up to sponsor. Um, so this is when I started. But, you know, I thought, how am I going to get my name out there? So I build this brand. I want to, you know, I want to now market. So it was just find a way to market however you can. And yeah, the Eka is a the Eka show was on and had the opportunity to sponsor. So I I did, you know, I didn't have any money at that point as well. So I did a five thousand dollars worth of services and I sponsored the oh gosh, the oh, I can't even think now. The studs, the winning studs. So that that and I was gonna give the winning stud, $5,000 worth of my services. So I made like a big check, 
with my big brand all over it and $5,000 worth of services and because I knew, you know, this big check was going to be in lots of photos of the country life and, and I felt like a bit of a fraud now I think about it. But So that gave me a lot of exposure. It also meant that I could um, go to a dinner. There was a dinner attached to that with some pretty significant names. So I knew I'd be sitting next to, you know, CEOs or, you know, pretty high up people. So that was another point that another another place so it was really just you know where are these people and how do I get to them so yeah I think being I didn't have a I didn't have time or money to not be strategic and to throw something out there that sticks like it was you know where are they how do I get to them and and being clear about these are the people I want to work for where are they so you know yeah that was a, a bit of a successful little experience so great. I know. It was very, very last minute. We had caps and our logo on it and business cards. And so I think events, that that was a really good opportunity. Obviously, with COVID, we don't have that now. But event was a, a, a great exposure and there was no one doing it. Um, so you've mentioned the importance of networking a couple of times. And I agree. I think it's an incredibly important part of business development and just finding your people that you want to work with. How have you been able to do that over the past two years with COVID shutting down those signature events like the ECA? Yeah, so I think, again, like why this has been like somewhat easier for me is, again, agricultural, where are they? What are the networks? What are the groups? So joining, I, I am part of the Food and Agribusiness Network. I also sponsored, now I think of it, Future Farmers Network. So I did some work for them sort of as a sponsorship opportunity. So that was early on, like joining groups and being becoming part of part of different groups within your market. That was that that was that's worked really well for me. With COVID, I guess, yeah, it has been tricky because I am a people person. I like to get out there, I like to, you know, talk to people and see them in person. But I've definitely taken advantage of those groups that I've already that I'm already part of. And those partnerships and those connections, reaching out to old old connections, knowing that I'm, you know, we're still here. Also, yeah, picking up the phone and just saying hello. You know, it is such a network heavy industry, so you know that gives yeah. us a bit of a leg up. And and you know, we are a marketing company. Market, market, market as much as you can, as as cost effective as you can. Get be heard without being annoying, but get yourself out there and yeah you, you've got nothing to lose I think so yeah but COVID has been tricky we've had to do a bit more digital digital work and you know start building that network digitally online. So you're really aware of the need to evolve constantly whether that's driven by your own impetus or what's happening around you like COVID. Can you talk through some of the factors or decision-making processes that have driven the refocusing of your business over the past few years? Yeah, oh, definitely. There has been a fair few of those, a, a, a bit of pivoting here and there, definitely not standing still with anything. So I guess the first real challenge we had, we had a great two years and then came the drought. And with the drought came, you know, businesses shutting down a lot of our clients particularly we had some of those larger corporates a lot of them merging with other companies and that you know that having an impact on our relationships with different 
people within organisations, but it also meant changes in, you know, budgets. And so we, we, we did lose a lot of work during that just from things changing and it was quite a challenging time. So that made me rethink a lot of things. I also had a baby at the time, so that kind of put another spanner in there. But it made me think about, you know, what it was a good op- it was yeah, a good opportunity because it it makes you think about, you know, what do we need to hone in on? Where do we need to go? How do we reduce this risk that's just happened? And it, it yeah, so it it meant we we were doing a lot of a lot of the work we were doing we I then went, you know, this this isn't this isn't working and it's too risky. You know, what happens if a drought happens again? We just because mm-hmm. obviously we're marketing internally a lot of the agricultural products. So if there's a drought, there's no one buying products. So I think, yeah, the first thing I did was try and say, let's we need to build a brand that's a bit more ex- expand it, what's the word? Expansive can get other work when the agri work is a little bit light on because we did, yeah, we kind of went very into the agricultural network rather than, hey, there's actually people, you know, still connected to agri that aren't, you know, it's not just marketing agri products. So and and yeah, it's a bit of a blur now how this all happened, but mm. we, we rebranded for a start. I think that was in my own sort of my own reasonings for that being that yeah I wasn't really happy with where the work was going as well it was getting very it was very corporate work which was great but it was it was a bit run-of-the-mill for me you know I think when you look at your business model we had sort of six staff now so we were growing in that way but not growing in a way that was was happy with not growing in where where I felt as a person where I wanted my business to go. So it was okay. the model. I think you always push to go, you know, go big, go big, but going yeah. big is always best. And I think it was very stress, very stressful. So we kind of, I, I went, you know, I I want to focus on what we do well at, which is the brand. You know, rather than just doing everything, let's refocus. Let's let's decide right now. This is what we what we love doing this is what we're good at this is what our small team not lots of people but this is what our small team can can do and Uh deliver and deliver well and and also helps us you know continue to make money and and be able to feed ourselves so so we you know we we honed in on being you know brand specialists brand strategy rather than doing everything that's what we're going to focus on so that was part of the reason to rebrand was to try and flex our brand a bit more so that we could get a little some diversity in our work rather than the same old work. And then, you know, the other issue with that, with our work being our pre- previous work was we were getting a lot of competitors and a lot of brands didn't want to work knowing that we'd worked with another brand. So that was becoming a bit of an issue as well. So part of that was we built some collaborative partnerships with other agencies so we could feed work to them and vice versa so we didn't have competitors. So we've built a bit of relationship with other agencies that we work with when we can't deliver, you know, the the pipeline, I call it the, the, the big pipeline work. If we can't do that and we just do the top level, then we feed that to them. 
opportunity we've identified. And, yeah, so, you know, being able to say, no, we can't do that, but here's our partners that can, that's been, you know, a really good opportunity to just start to go, we don't have all the people to do everything, but we're still going to be able to help you where we can. And I guess, yeah, just being better, being more efficient at being able to, to deliver the work, continue to do high quality work, which is really, really important to me. We don't have things that go out that I'm not proud of and I couldn't do what I do, with, you know, if it, if it continued in the way it was going, just doing everything to feed a pipeline. It, it didn't line up with my values as a person. So, so, yeah, I think we, yeah, we just got better at knowing what we're good at and saying no to the things that we're not good at and being comfortable doing that and becoming an expert in, in our and what we love doing. Yeah, so we knew it would also disrupt things a little bit. A lot of people loved our old brand. A lot of people don't. You know, probably go. Why did you? Well, they did. Why did you change? You know, what are you doing? Mm. For me, with that change has has come a lot of opportunity. We've moved further into the innovation space. That's what we love as well. You know, nothing. We've been able to diversify who we work with. So, bringing on other specialists to keep our work interesting and working with people all over the world as well. You know, yeah. anime. We've got an animator in Budapest who we love working with and wow. designers in different countries just to bring a different level of sparkle, which, you know, at the end of the day, we're creatives, you know, we're not as much as we're business, we, we want to deliver creative work within our industry that people get excited about and go, oh, we, you know, if you want something that's a bit different, go to these guys. Instead of, you know, if you want to get something done, go to these guys. That's not, not we, what we want to do. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a journey. So what would you say one lesson that you've learnt from this process so far? I definitely, oh, I've got to think about that, but there's many lessons, Karen. (laughs) Probably the biggest would be to lean into the failures or what we think of failures are actually beautiful attempts at trial and error. I would say it's when we fail that we go, oh, that didn't work, yep. I know exactly what I need to do now. Unfortunately, those values come at a cost. And, you know, I think even as women, we are perfectionists and we don't like to, you know, fail. But honestly, failure is how we get to the sweet spot. And you have to, you have to try things. And no one can tell you, this is how you, you know, this is how you're going to do it. And it's going to work. You've actually just got to do it and get in and try and fail and and get back up and try again. I think that's just in life. I teach my three-year-old daughter that, you know, just try, fail, doesn't matter. Try, can't be scared to try and, and you won't get it right first, but then you'll, you'll be 10 steps ahead when you, when you do stage two. So (laughs) that would be my biggest. It does feel like of a trial and error with business sometimes you know I think yeah we're five years in but if I look back you know I could never be here five years if someone had told me oh you do it like this you know you've really got to just almost see what happens plan as much as you can but yeah there's yeah I always know <laughs> so would you describe yourself as an entrepreneur oh that's an interesting one I'd say yes, but I don't make apps. 
don't know why entrepreneur and apps is like something I think about. But yes, I think it's probably again, you know, a, a positive thing, but also a curse because you, you know, you you do you start to entrepreneurs thinking, oh, we do it this way, and then we do it that way. I think in the last year, I've the biggest thing I've learned is sustainability is key, and actually just you know learning to sit and do things over and over and over and over and get better at them over and over and over is actually better than changing things all the time and yeah I I actually asked one of my employees the other day like do you think we've had a good year you know just trying to see what the team felt about it because I've got my you know I've got my what I feel but it's always interesting to hear what they think they said I think we've got a lot more clarity in sitting still this year and just honing in on what we do and not looking outside what other people are doing and just you know sitting and yeah just doing the same thing over and over and getting better at that so yeah I I would say I'm an entrepreneur but this year I've learned how to control those urges as an entrepreneur in a really good way yeah to to, to be be one with your ideas just sit and it's been good for my family too because they're like finally you know you you realize in business it is just about those years and just sitting and and getting better and quietly doing things yeah rather than having to have these massive things happen all the time yeah I can totally <laughs> understand what you're saying there so what advice would you offer to rural women wanting to take the leap and start their own business or perhaps shift up their business a couple of notches or shift direction the first thing I'd say is get a good accountant. I know that's super boring and, you know, we don't want to talk about that, that boring stuff, but get a good accountant, understand how money works, understand finance. I think as women we're always shy around money, but this isn't a hobby. And if it is a hobby and you're not making money, stop stop that right now <laughs> because if you're running a business, you've got to be serious. You've got to um, understand you know, those intricacies about money, especially around, you know, how all the tax works and all of that because that can really make or break you. Another thing is think big and and be brave and go for it because, you know, you've got an opportunity. If, if you can see success and you've visualised it and you have a good idea, you've already done the hard part. It's just about okay, you know where you need to go. Now what are the steps to get there? So that would be another one. And I think another piece of advice was really define what it is that you want, not just in business but maybe in life because Mm -hmm. business works around what life you want or that, that has for me and, you know, what sort of what you want and then how will this support you in that because it's all part of that. There's, you know, it, it can be lifestyle, it can be finance, it can be there's so many different things that it can bring you. So really define what it is that you're looking for and, and work it around that, make it work for you. Um, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. So to conclude, what does the future look like for you? Where will you and your business be in the next five years? That's an interesting one. We definitely want to increase our clients and have a larger sort of impact on the industry on on you know 
getting to more businesses and improving more and growing more brands within our industry to make things better. That's very much attached to our purpose of, you know, being a significant player in this industry and, and what we do. So, so getting to more people, continuing to build our network and partnerships within the industry, I think that's key. You know, it's it's I still believe in in you know being having a good reputation and and people, you know, it's very word of mouth. So yeah, building that network and part of building that network is thinking we've we've started thinking about how we can diversify our offering so obviously we deliver design services but how do we actually build value-add products around that so one of them that I'm particularly interested in is the research component so providing more research about our industry to make our to help market you know that's a, a big part so knowing you know customer demographics and psychographics and you know delivering that data to people to help them know well where are my customers how do I get to them what are they like what are their interests yeah we're very focused on our our customer and how to get to them um and then uh so that would be yeah the value add products around sort of data and research side and then we're quite interested in innovation, how we can potentially move into innovation, be a, maybe a bigger player in that innovation space with communication particularly. And, yeah, maybe ventures, who knows. Well, I used to say that I wanted studio agriculture aeroplanes flying around Australia, but I really know, as I say, I've visualised it, not quite sure about the roadmap for that, but I think, yeah, Studio Agriculture will eventually be more than just design. Fantastic. Hopefully. Got a bit of work to do. Maybe a few helicopters first before you go to the plane. Oh, helicopters would be good. Yeah. I'm sure you could make it happen. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute joy to have you here. Thanks, Karen. Nice to talk. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be delighted if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review our podcast on your chosen listening platform. If you'd like to learn more about this series or get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so via our website at www.realruralwomensleadership.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. Thanks again for listening.